Humble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Joel here, founder of Naked Revival. I'm going to read a blog I wrote in response to the attempted cancellation of Matt Reif and my views on cancel culture in general. So without further ado, let's get started. The other week, comedian Matt Reif told a joke that offended some people. Cue the social justice mob going on the hunt to cancel him. He later sort of apologized and explained himself, which just added fuel to the already burning fire. I'm not going to share the joke or apology because I don't think what exactly was said matters. What matters is our reaction to it. So why do I care? Well, for starters, Matt has had me on the floor in stitches. I was laughing so hard. And laughing is medicine. I don't serve myself nearly enough. So I guess I'm grateful for that. He's also an inspiration. He's fit, smart, talented, and a started from the bottom kind of story that lights me up as I pursue my aspirational endeavors. This past summer, I asked our publicist if she thought he'd be open to doing an underwear campaign with Naked Revival. As of writing and sharing this, we haven't reached out to Matt yet, but now I want to even more. I've been writing about this odd anti-culture we share for a few months now. Actually, I've been writing about it for a few years, three to be precise, but I lacked the guts to click post on anything. Simply, I feared being canceled for sharing my thoughts. The act, unlike Lincoln's famous angry letters that were left unsent in a desk drawer, wasn't cathartic or unburdening. I felt a bit ashamed for not speaking up. I was also frustrated. I felt marooned. I felt like I was flailing for truth, and I was confused as to why so many people seemingly still could not see the insanity of the culture that was unfolding before them. So herein lies an attempt, in the spirit of trying to make sense of things for myself, to hit post on one such blog. Before I start, though, dear reader and listener, I must say I'm all bent out of shape these days. So hopefully not much of that bentness ends up in here. I'm hoping to provide a rational, opposing point of view to what seemed like a rational response to the events that transpired around Mr. Rife. Comedian says something that offends people. Comedian gets canceled. I saw it differently. For me, comedy is a noble profession that upholds not only the true essence and philosophical purpose of free speech, but also of truth and sincerity. It cuts through the layers of the facade and hits the heart. Because of the messenger, the comic, the medium, entertainment, and the agreement we make by engaging in that entertainment, it's one art that allows us to laugh at ourselves. It offers a sacred haven where we are allowed to take the seriousness out of an otherwise serious life. Moreover, it challenges us. It challenges our beliefs and assumptions, and in doing so, breaks the ice that enables societal and cultural progress. At least, that's my take on comedy. So hear me out. I'm going to macro this out beyond Mr. Rife and discuss cancel culture in general. To be clear, I do not want to live in a world where people call each other nasty things, but I'd much less desire to live in a world where there are limits on what we can say, short of inciting real harm to people. And two, where someone or even multitudes of people lose their careers because 
a few people were offended by hearing something that somebody maybe should not have said to them. Instead, the world I want to live in is one where some words and jokes, even bad ones, can sometimes just be words and jokes, bursts of misguided energy or a bad moment and, and not the connotative meaning we apply when we hear them. I want to live in a world where when someone offends us or even hurts us with vitriol, we can take a breath, step back and, and look in the mirror and say, damn, you know, maybe I was adding, acting a tad difficult or damn, that person must be hurting deeply right now to say such a thing. Or I wonder why they find that so funny. Failing self-ownership and self-awareness, at least let's live in a world where we can take responsibility for the part we play in a bad outcome. You know, then our friends can call us out and say, you know, you were being a bit of an asshole there. Instead, someone is offended when called a bad word, uses social media to validate their victimhood so they can feel better and ignite other people who also don't feel great about themselves to rally behind them. And the sentiment is, if I feel bad, then other people need to feel bad with me. It's like in the Hunger Games when Katniss says, you see that? Fire is catching. If we burn, you burn with us. That very line was then propagated by the leader of the rebellion, who turned out to be just as evil as the tyrannical uh, and current overlord. In other words, mass hysteria often only serves the agenda of one, usually the one asking for the hysterics, even if those hysterics are rooted in a just cause. Further, whether our victimization is justified or not, it can still be weaponized. And when it is weaponized, more people can get hurt. This is the moment we live in right now. Instead of dealing with our grievances and our perpetrators directly, we post to the world that we've been wronged. We demand justice from the court of public opinion. We ask them to weigh in on our problem or their problem and have people condemned and canceled. It's been years of this, centuries really. Have we not learned anything from our barbaric ancestors? Well, sort of. I mean, I'm old enough to remember a brief time when this wasn't the case. Although certain circumstances and people require the court of public opinion to remain honest and just, politics and multinational corporations come to mind. To me, this situation could have been handled differently. It is, after all, comedy to try give our angsty selves the gift of laughter. Boundaries must be pushed. That's how we break through. Sometimes it works and sometimes it misses the mark. But ultimately, you don't have to tune in. Even if Mr. Rife shouldn't have said this joke, does it really, I mean, really mean this person should be made an example of? We stopped hammering people who said the wrong thing to crosses and burning them at the stake eons ago. Certainly that was barbaric. And there was nothing like that now. But are our now more subtle and digitized ways of career-ending character assassination any different? Again, this is antithetical to the very social justice and human rights movement being championed. When we cancel someone, we become the very thing we're fighting against. We become the disparager. We become the intolerant bigot. We perpetuate the cycle of pain and hurt that we felt. And we need people to push ideas and not be ostracized by society. Of course, we do need to learn our lesson when we act poorly. Firing someone is certainly one way of teaching it, but character assassination, public defaming and cancellation rarely achieve their intended result. As an aside, sometimes I wonder how much of this hysteria and cancellation is just theater, a game we play to grab attention. 
But when did it become unacceptable for people to make mistakes, sometimes even small ones? When did we lose consideration for the nuance of all the circumstances that may have led to the mistake in the first place? When did guilt by association become the rule and not the exception? When did viewers and even non-viewers who don't have a dog in the fight and don't know all the details get to decide who gets canceled? When did everything become so offensive that we need to make public displays of our being offended? The argument I always hear is that social justice by virtue of cancel culture, as our story outlines, holds us to a higher standard of humanity. Policing each other makes us better citizens by making us aware of what we can and cannot do or say, ensuring no one ever gets their feelings hurt, making workplaces and social spaces safer. Conversely, it also makes us more insecure and vulnerable. I agree, we need social progress. We need to continue our process of healing from the blatant mistakes of the past. Social progress is a, it is a good thing until it manifests as the very bigotry and intolerance it condemns, until it amplifies the toxic polarization it aims to mend, until it makes everyone so scared to open their mouths that they fall in line and self-censor. Congenial discussion and sincere questions are the lifeblood of progress and social justice, not gaslighting, vilifying, and destroying each other. And what then does the promised land of cancel culture look like? Someone says something bad, really bad even, and it's righteously crucified to a Twitter-shaped cross as a harsh reminder to all those who pass by that transgression is punishable by public defamation. I often ask if Matt Rifle or the like was your child, knowing all you know about your child, would you still think he deserved to be canceled because of a bad joke? Probably not. That's because mothers and close friends know that we are not one thing and not defined by one moment or action. For someone to keep their job after saying something terrible to someone, or to no one specifically in the case of Matt Rife, doesn't mean you condone their action. The ultimate punishment isn't always required. For one, you could just ignore it. Or compassion can be just as powerful a teacher as condemnation. I'd argue it's a more powerful teacher. As the saying goes, hate begets hate, love begets love. Again, this is antithetical to the very social justice and human rights movement being championed. When we cancel someone, we become the very thing we're fighting against. We become the disparager. We become the intolerant bigot. We perpetuate the cycle of pain and hurt that we felt. We become modern barbarians, relishing in our own version of witch trials. Is the person who bullies the bully not then a bully themselves? Remember, there is often a fine line between vigilante and criminal, between protester and destructive mob, between crusader and crucifier, and between utopia and dystopia. Maybe the person who said or did the thing, the bad thing, had it coming. There are most certainly varying degrees of wrongness, and they got what they deserve. We must tread carefully as we draw those lines. And before we take out our red marker, we need to take a good look in the mirror. We all make mistakes. We all have bad days. That comes with being human. And what about the cancel culture crusader or 
crucifier. Once you've successfully canceled someone, what shore do you wash up on? A happier one? A more peaceful one? Do you feel better inside? Or do we just keep on social crusading because A, there are so many misaligned people out there that need social training, or B, there is no number of cancellations that'll ever fill the void inside? Is it not that our responses are more a reflection of how we feel about ourselves than of others? Does the world not reflect our own feelings right back at us? It's a tough pill to swallow, but I personally found that to be true in my own life, we cannot fix the external world, only the internal one. So we must ask ourselves, what is it inside us that feels the need to cancel this person? Here's another twist. What if, just maybe, one day the cancellation culture crusade cancels you? Maybe we took our crusading a little too far. We're not up with the latest in the newly established taboos and the mob we help start turns on us. Will you not then wish you could justify your actions? Wish forgiveness from your perpetrators? Wish people could see the nuance in the error of your ways? Wish this all could just be settled person to person? Maybe like me, we're all a little bent out of shape right now and need to take a breath before we join the cancel culture mob. It's the axiom my parents always used to say, seek first to understand, then to be understood. They didn't get everything right, but that one certainly rings true. And if you're still going to do it, hit that post button on your condemnation of someone. Fire a hardworking service provider, end a career because you're worried about how it might be interpreted. Then I leave you with two quotes from two other humans we also tried to cancel. Jesus, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone. And Mahatma Gandhi, freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. Feel free to disagree with me, but I think we could all stand to be a little gentler, take a joke a little better, and be a little less involved. Thanks for listening. Be well. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. We know there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, you know, all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything, we'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on. Of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace.